It's the JT The Brick Show. And now Jacoby Myers spinning around. He throws it to Chandler Jones in midfield. It's Stafford. Chandler Jones racing towards the end zone. It scores. Oh, my goodness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Now he leans towards the line, gets the snap. Raiders bring a blitz. He takes up off the middle, and he's wrapped up from behind. Guess who? Max Crosby with the sack as he races over to the far sideline. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Open Adams at the 35, racing to the 20, 10, touchdown Raiders. And now, here's J.D. the Brit. Out of the gate, J.T., thanks for joining me again today. Right here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. and all over the globe on the Raiders mobile app. We are brought to you by PTs. They fuel the monologue. What a proud partner. They're back with me again. I put them in the monologue by themselves because they kick off the show, bring me the energy every day. And PTs will be giving away PTs Taverns branded football jerseys during the month of September. 50 base points earned while playing with True Rewards card. One entry. There'll be four winners per tavern. 200 and 52 winners total. In addition to our taverns, they'll still be the best place in town to watch sports in town. No other place, 5 to 7, midnight to 2, the best happy hour in town, as you know. No one has an offer like this at all. Remember, Arizona Charlie's, New River Rock Pizza and Pasta. Oh, fantastic. The pasta is exceptional. Various Charlie's promotions that will be sent to you as you are a proud partner of our show with PTs, Arizona Charlies, the Strat, everything they do for us here, all the locations, 64-plus taverns in this town, wherever you go on every corner. Look to the left, look to the right, behind you, in front of you. PTs, they'll take care of you, proud partner of the show as we get going. So I'm getting ready to go to Dallas, looking forward to going to Dallas. Are you kidding me? I got an opportunity to call my final Raider game on the radio as Jason Horowitz goes into the television booth. I'm with Eric Allen and Lincoln Kennedy, and it is a palace. It's one of the greatest marvels in all of sports. It is. I've seen boxing there, clearly football. There's just something about it. You walk into the palace in Dallas, Jerry's World, and it just feels big. It is big. And Allegiant Stadium feels like that now. We have the Super Bowl here this year because Mark Davis built it, and now they're coming. And that's what Jerry did. And Jerry basically said, hey, I'm going to build the biggest, and we might not win the Super Bowl every year. And the Dallas Cowboys are going through one hell of a drought One hell of a drought. But you know something? I'm this close. You can't see my fingers. I'm this close to picking the Dallas Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl. Yes, Bobby, yes, I am. I I put a lot of work into my Super Bowl pick. I give it in the preseason. Unlike these frauds and scoundrels that wait for the playoffs, that's why we did this. You know the guy, Sports Fan Radio Network back in the 90s, changed his pick throughout the playoffs. I was sitting in the building in the bullpen with the sports pig and a lot of other guys. I'm like, what? He goes, well, yeah, he's eliminated. I go, didn't you pick them to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, but they lost. So you don't get a new pick. I picked the winner of the Super Bowl preseason, and I stick by it. Last two years in a row, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, I picked the Bills. Two years in a row, I thought the Bills were the best team in football. You know, the Raiders play the Bills week, too. Now, My luck, the Bills will win this year when I didn't pick them. I'm not picking the Bills because I did it two years in a row. I thought they were the best team. But the Cowboys, I'm giving the Cowboys an edge over the Niners because they have Brock Purdy 
and I don't believe that young Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, even on a great team, great team, the Niners are great. Their roster's unbelievable. Uh, Brock Purdy, to me, is not built to win the Super Bowl this early in his career. I'm not a buyer in that. The only people who believe in that believe that he's not going to make any mistakes. He's going to get the ball out. He's going to manage the game. Most of the guys who win the Super Bowl don't manage the game. They're named Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Tom Brady. They do more than manage a game. They go win the Super Bowl like Joe Montana. They don't manage the game. They go win the Super Bowl like Steve Young, who threw six touchdowns in a Super Bowl. They go win it. You ever hear of John Elway? He didn't manage the game. He went out and won the Super Bowl. So I'm not going down the Brock Purdy road, and if he wins, you know where to find me. Philadelphia's schedule is brutal. Brutal. Last year they played a bunch of nobodies, and now this year they play everybody. They have the first-place schedule there. So I think Dallas is going to win the division over Philly by a game. And then I think Dallas will get a home game at home. And then if they win that game, they'll be one game away from the NFC Championship game. And I think they'll either have that game at home against the Niners or home against Philadelphia on the way to the Super Bowl. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I'm bringing it up because the Raiders are playing the Cowboys this weekend. It's a good roster. Very good roster. I don't know who's playing. We're going to get to Josh McDaniel's press conference in a moment. I didn't hear it today. I uh, had some housekeeping items with the wife I had it fulfilled today, but I knew we'd get a chance and Bobby would play it here. So we're going to play a portion of his press conference coming up in a minute. And then we have Vinny Bonsignor later on. I interviewed Vinny last night on my national show, and we're going to play that today. It's the same thing, but we talked more about just the Raiders. So that's coming up. Levi Edwards will join us live inside the Raiders. We'll talk to him about who's... Who's on the chopping block? Who's going to be let go or not? Big day, big game coming up here for the Raiders. And then your phone calls the rest of the way. Look, let, let me get to this point really quick. We're in no man's land now with the Raiders. This is no man's land. This is when you're out on the highway between Baker and Vegas, and you don't see the strip. You don't see the skyline. You don't see the thermometer behind you. All you do is you know Vegas is going to be over the next hill. You're not sure yet. We're in no man's land. We're in a part where they're playing another preseason game, which I think is important. And then after that, they're going to make their cuts. And then we're going to go heavy Raiders-Broncos. Heavy Raiders-Broncos like you wouldn't believe. Guests are already lined up. They're already lined up for Broncos week. So we're in no man's land here, so I'm not going to do some lame, low-hanging fruit. Who's your sixth receiver? Crap. I don't do that. I don't do who's the sixth receiver on the radio because I don't care mostly who the sixth receiver is because he doesn't play, and he's not going to catch a ball over Devontae. But it is important because I'm calling the game, and that guy's going to be playing, and he's going to be maybe making the team, and he might catch a ball in this regular season. That gives the Raiders a victory. So I'm trying to evolve on this topic, but I am not interested in the final player who makes the team other than that final player's parents, mom and dad, Dave Ziegler keeping the guy. That, to me, is not compelling radio. Compelling radio is getting Raider fans motivated and excited to play Denver. And I have to pause and wait for that. I'm going to do it now. I'm not going to go crazy now, but I'm, it's coming. And it's coming like a freight train. Because I love the way the team's playing. I love the way the roster's being constructed. I like the vision of what they're doing. And I'm starting to see, not a bandwagon for the Raiders, but I'm starting to see some people on all different platforms say, you know, Raiders look good. You know what the big criticism now is? Raiders are better than I thought, but, man, that schedule's tough. Well, that's fair. I've been saying that from day one. The only thing that's going to slow the Raiders down this year potentially is the schedule. It's brutal. 
with a capital B. It's not tough. It's brutal. So they have to be good enough to be in games and not blow second-half leads, not make mistakes. They have to get off the field on third down. And they have to give the ball to Jimmy G, and Jimmy G's got to pick up first downs. I'm good with all of that. I think all that's going to happen this year. But I can't predict what they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to be in the game in Buffalo. If they are in the game in the fourth quarter in Buffalo, I'll take my shots with Jimmy G and Devontae going up against Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs all day long. All day long. And then the other big elephant in the room is where is Josh Jacobs? Not here. So when is Josh Jacobs coming? Uh, As far as I'm looking at my phone and trying to figure out where he's going to be here, I'll be in the building tomorrow. I don't expect anybody to tell me tomorrow that he's coming in, but I'd like to see him in there tomorrow. I've always thought that, for me, my timing, that he would be here now. For me, the Josh Jacobs timing would be that Josh would be there today. This was going to be the day. It was either going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday the latest, on the plane Friday, on the plane, warming up in the locker room, not playing, hanging out there on the sidelines, laughing with his teammates and getting ready for Denver. So we'll see what happens. Seven hours ago, Tom Pelissaro, while the Colts, Colts let Jonathan Taylor seek a trade, league sources say the Raiders have shown no interest in trading their star, Josh Jacobs. Jacobs hasn't signed his tender and no deal is eminent to get him into camp. The NFL rushing champ status for week one remains to be determined. That's Tom Pelissero. He's got good sources in the building. And that's where we're at with Josh Jacobs. I'd like to see him on the flight. I'd like to see him here because, in reality, you can't give him a lot of touches in Denver. And I think we need, him to, I think we need to give him a lot of touches in Denver. I really do. I think the game's going to come down to one or two plays in Denver. I think the Raiders are better than Denver on paper. They are. They've won six out of seven. Even those who think, even Raider fans who don't like the Raiders. Oh, there's a chunk of them, Bobby. They're Raider fans. They have Raider nicknames. And they don't even like the Raiders. They love the Raiders' DNA, but they don't like the team. They even believe the Raiders are better than the Broncos. But the problem is they're playing on the road. First game ever with Sean Payton. And Sean Payton will have those players coming out of the tunnel like their hair's lit on fire. They're playing for Sean Payton now. It's a different level. And the Raiders will be the same way. Max Crosby will lead them out of the tunnel. They'll be ready to go. But that could come down to one play. That could come down to a third and two without Josh Jacobs on the field and Samir White getting stuffed behind the line of scrimmage where Josh might have made someone miss. So I'd like to see Josh Jacobs available for the Denver game. And there's plenty of time for him to be available if he shows up kind of now. Okay, if he shows up the week of the Denver game or at the last second, I don't know what they're going to plan on doing. Maybe they suit him up. Maybe he gets touches. Maybe he gets more touches than I think. But no one really has a clue on that topic. No one has a clue. From the best NFL insiders, from Jay Glazer to Paul Gutierrez to everybody who's embedded with the Raiders to the national guys, no clue on what Josh Jacobs is thinking. Is that a concern? On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm at at about a 2. I could get to a four by the end of the show. Uh, and I can maybe next week get to a six or seven, but I'm looking forward to a good road trip. Here's a storyline that's big as we open up the show. Defensive tackle Chris Jones indicated on social media that he's willing to continue his holdout from the Chiefs until week eight. And that's a big deal because until then, he's willing to forfeit his weekly game check in the case about $1.1 million because, quote, now this takes balls. Ready for the quote? I can afford it. 
That's a good quote. That's what that's what an NBA player would say. You know, NBA players make like four hundred grand a game, but they play eighty two games. And when you look at an NFL player playing seventeen games, Chris Jones has been one of the best. He tweeted out at Stone Cold Jones quote, and it was a scene from one of those coffee shops where they have the chalkboard out front. It says, "If it's out of your hands, it deserves freedom from your mind, also." So he tweeted that out there from a coffee shop or a sandwich shop. And he's at a position now. Also, Nick Bosa with the 49ers. The 49er fans are concerned about that because they they don't love their quarterback. They they like, they're convincing themselves that Brock Purdy's the answer. They're convincing themselves that he's the next Steve Young in Montana. But Bosa, Bosa's got a Hall of Fame career going, just like Max. I'm not saying they're going to get in, but Max Crosby and Bosa are building the blocks of a Hall of Fame career. And Bosa is very underpaid. He's the defensive player of the year. All due respect to Josh Jacobs, who led the league in rushing, he is at a position that's declining in price, not defensive end. That, that, that number's going through the roof. So there are a couple of players who are still holding out. Josh Jacobs, I like to dip the show in reality. He has to play, has to play on the contract of $10.1 million. It's a good amount of money. He probably deserves more, like everybody thinks he does. He outplayed his contract. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option. I didn't have a problem with that. We all know why they didn't. They didn't know him. They wanted to see him, and he overexceeded, and then the market crashed. So as the neighborhood overall got better, the housing market in that neighborhood, the running back housing market went down, and the Raiders are running a business now. And not everybody agrees with that. I can tell you this, there's not many sharp Raider fans that don't understand the fact that you're not overpaying for a running back now. Now, I don't think giving Josh Jacobs 12, 13, 14 million is overpaying for him. I think that's probably the market share for him, but not at this moment. And the Raiders have a bargaining chip. The Raiders have the advantage with the franchise tag. And they could use it, and they used it on Josh Jacobs. So I don't get involved in anyone's money when they tell me he's ready to play. We'll see him out there playing. So that's another big topic as we get rolling here. And then Aiden O'Connell. Uh, you will never, ever, 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 ever hear me say AOC. That's the last time. You like that? AOC. Get rid of that nickname. I don't talk politics. I never do on radio. That's not. You want to talk about the mustache? Go ahead and do this. Aiden O'Connell is getting a lot of love around the NFL, man. Highest, highest quarterback rating so far through two games. The ball's coming out great. Making a couple of mistakes maybe at the line of scrimmage. But, man, does the Raider Nation like Aiden O'Connell? Oh, do they like him. They didn't love him on draft night. I didn't either. I didn't think they should have took a quarterback in the fourth round. I was looking linebacker. I said linebacker, linebacker, please. But they took the right guy. Proving once again I don't get paid to be right. I get paid to have an opinion. Aiden O'Connell is playing at a very high level for the preseason. And should he be the number two? Yeah, I think he should be the number two. I wouldn't have said that a month ago. Brian Hoyer is a damn good backup quarterback in this system. The only reason Brian Hoyer is still in the league is this system that Josh McDaniels is running. And he's very good at that. And if if Brian Hoyer was playing, God forbid, in a game because Jimmy G wasn't ready— he would be, Brian Hoyer would be very good in the system, getting the play in and out, getting the team lined up, protections and all that, because that's what he's been doing. But Aiden O'Connell looks like the real deal. So we'll touch on that a little bit there. And then the rest of these games that are coming up, college football is upon us. I haven't spent a lot of time talking about UNLV football, 
but everybody I've talked to in town, former coaches, former players, people involved in the program are really excited on how different and tight this team just looks this time around. I was friends with Marcus Arroyo, still am. Coaches before that, you make a coaching change, maybe a little bit of a spark here. Asia Wilson breaking the scoring record for the Aces. Great story for Mark Davis and my friends who run the team over there. Good local story there. And uh, high school football, Bishop Gorman, Liberty. Uh, Nevada got knocked out of the Little League World Series. Those kids are coming home. If they're not home already, and the city should do something special for them because that was they were a competitive team, a lot of fun there. All right, so I told you the monologue brought to you by PTs. Pretty big show. If you'd like to get in here, call now, 702-365-9200. One day, one day I will come in here, Bobby. There will be nine lines on hold. I will quit. I will quit the show, and I will take what I have in life, and I will go do something else. But until then. I'll give the phone number out to the Raider Nation. Let them know that I'm live. This isn't a podcast. I'm here to take their calls, opinions, read their tweets if they have some passion and energy. If not, I got the whole thing figured out on my own. The whole show on my back with Bobby, we put it together hours ago, but you're invited to come on in. Josh McDaniels met the media earlier today, just a short time ago. Let's listen to some of it. Like crowd today. Huh? How are we doing? Josh, I have a process question for you. As you're putting together your roster, how much goes into a coach and general manager's mind of, boy, if we can't, you know, this is a guy who may develop into something into the future. We probably can't cut him and get him on a practice squad. How much of that goes into just this year? Um, I would say a lot, Um, you know, because you're trying to think of what's best for the team now. Uh, you're also trying to what's best for the team as we go forward. Um, you can't just do everything in a short-term window. And so we know that you know there are some young players that are developing that ultimately they are not what they're going to be yet. But you have to make an educated decision on whether or not you feel like, you know, through continued work and effort from the player and the coaches, Uh, that they're going to, you know, that'll change for the better in certain ways um, and ultimately impact the team. Obviously, some of that has to do with, you know, the construction of the salary cap and, you know, cost, et cetera. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into it. Um, Some are trying to figure out, you know, how you can put together your best 69 or 70 players to work with, continuing to work with guys on the practice squad. So certain decisions, you know, you try to do the best you can on those two. Nothing's ever a sure thing when you release a player or and try to get them on the practice squad. But, um, you know, that's basically what this next so many days is about, is trying to figure out how do we put the best uh, group of guys together that we can continue to work with through the course of the season, develop, understanding that a number of those guys that start in the practice squad will ultimately eventually play for us, um, as they did last year. We saw a number of guys like that in that role eventually contribute in multiple ways on our team last year. So a lot that goes into it. Uh, it's not a simple thing. It's uh, always a tough day, a uh, cut-down day. Um, you know, there's feelings and all that kind of stuff involved. But this year in particular, as you're kind of, I'm sure, you know, you're, you're formulating thoughts on that and everything, but it feels like 
there's going to be some difficult cuts uh, this year with some good players that might not be able to make the 53-man roster. Do you kind of get that feeling that this is going to be one of the more difficult ones? Um, I think it's always difficult. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of there's a human side of that that you know, regardless of who you release, um, you know they've they've done a lot of work. Um, they put a lot of effort, time, energy. Uh, into competing and trying to do the best thing for the team and trying to improve themselves. So there's a tremendous amount of respect that, that's involved with all of our players, regardless of whether they make the roster, um, we put them on the practice squad, or ultimately they go somewhere else. Um, you have a tremendous feeling for the, those guys um, because of all that they've done to try to help you and your team be better. So I don't really think... Um, it would be unfair for me to sit here and say this year's decisions will be harder than last year's um, because I kind of look at them all. They're all not fun um, to go through uh, at the end of the day uh, because, like I said, there's a human element to it. Um, the goal for us will, will, will be always to try to make every one of them difficult because we've added, we've added competition you know, in every, every room at every spot. And so I hope that they're – I hope we want to keep, you know, 80 guys. You know what I mean? And not, you know, there's 47 that we like and we're trying to figure out who the other six are. I don't think we're going to be in that boat. I think there's going to be a number of players we would love to keep. Uh, as I mentioned, that's kind of go where it goes into the 53-plus, you know, 16, 17 extra guys where you're saying how can we construct this thing so where we have the best group of players going forward. How much does it change with the third quarterback? Um. I mean, it just depends whether you feel like that's a necessity in a specific, in a specific week or a game. Um, again, if you carry a third quarterback on the roster, then you have the ability to do that, obviously. Um, you know, it doesn't really affect you if you don't have one on the roster. So, um, you know, some teams will choose to do it. Some teams won't. We've chosen to do both things in the past where I've been and last year, you know. So, um, you know, we'll see how it kind of unfolds. But I think each team will make it. In their own decision. The 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 rule, um, you know, the the reason I think one of the reasons why the rule was put into play, obviously, is a very unique situation. You know, uncommon. Uh, we all know that. So, I don't know that everybody will overreact to it and then carry three guys just because of what happened last year. Just real quick on that, because I think you have to designate who that number two is. Mm -hmm. But I would feel as a coach that you might, if you have three quarterbacks and you have two that are on the sidelines. It might be a gut feeling like in that particular game what the best option might be. Like you might have a young guy who you're building for for the future, but also maybe a veteran like in your case where, geez, in the middle of a game, that might be the best option to go to. There's no question that you have to figure out exactly how you feel based on the week and or the situation. Um, you know, it wasn't the same rules, but long time ago, um, you know, we had Flutie and Castle. And Doug, and Doug was a veteran player, obviously, and, you know, and Matt was a, a, a young player. And so, you know, you're making choices based on, um, you know, how you would feel about, you know, what happens in the third quarter versus if we had an entire week to practice, et cetera. So, um, you know, you have to make decisions based on what you're, the information you have, um, and it might change. You know, it could change from one week to the next or one month to the next based on what we do at practice. Because, again, we've said before, like, the competition won't stop for us. We'll continue to work and practice, and everybody will get repetitions during the season also for that reason. Coach, sorry for biting on the puck. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. But, uh...
I want to ask you about your first and your second round pick. Uh, obviously, you haven't seen a whole lot of from Tyree, but he's back on the field. What have you seen from him that you like? And also, Michael Mayer, describe the progress you feel like he's made from you know rookie OTAs to where he's at now. Yeah, um, Tyree's uh, doing well. Um, you know, excited to kind of you know continue to move forward here. Uh, we we got you know a handful of individual reps last uh, last week. Got a couple one on ones as you guys saw. Um, and then yesterday we were able to kind of move forward into some team stuff and now we'll be pads. And so it's kind of, you know, progressing the way we wanted it to. And uh, we'll keep being smart and diligent following the direction of the medical people there. But um, he's doing great. Um, excited to continue that process with him. And Michael's just, um, you know, learning every day. Sponge um, works really hard. You guys got to talk to him yesterday. I mean, great attitude. Um, you know, really, really a quick study in terms of some of the things that you need to be able to, to do well. Um, you know, tight end's a tough position to play, you know, right off the bat, you know, and, and do everything the way that it needs to get done at a, at a winning level, you know, because you, know, you have to run block, pass protect, you know, run routes, get open, you know, difference between man and zone, uh, different coverage, you know, read the safety. You know, there's a lot of things that go into that. So, um, he's hard at work at it, uh, making progress every day. What does it say about him, about Michael Mayer? They responded after that first rough day in pads. That he's come along since then. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you you can't really be physically tough unless you're mentally tough. So, you know, he he had a um, you know a, a, an experience that was you know some would call it fun, some would call it educational, some would call it not not so good. Um, but that's part of the, the NFL, you know, you go through it sometime. It, I'd rather happen in a practice than a game, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, he's, I, I thought his response that day was really good. You know what I mean? Didn't let it get him down. Didn't, you know, walk around with his head down. You know what I mean? So we're all going to get, you know, uh, the short end of the stick every once in a while in this league. There's really good players on both sides of the ball, uh, on every play. So, um, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, but, um, he's very resilient, tough, and has has had a great attitude since he's been here. You had mentioned that Notre Dame, I'm sure this is pretty typical for college, is that the plays were one or two words. You know, and I know that at college they, there's a time limit on how much you have to work with with players at yeah. that level. So I'm sure that plays into it. But are you cognizant of that? You know, um, understanding what the what the, he thought, that learning curve might be not just for him but for everybody. Yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of. There's a lot of teams that don't even have words because there's somebody on the sideline that are showing them, you know, signals or poster boards or pictures or whatever it is. So uh, we've been battling that for years now, um, just relative to the National Football League being more about huddling and, you know, play calls, et cetera. I think there's a demand for that uh, in our league relative to the, you know, look, there's I'm all for being simple, but, you know, you know, if you if you're too simple, you're going to get your butt kicked. You know what I mean? So there needs to be a, an element of sophistication involved uh, with with the game to some degree. I'm not saying overdo it, but to some degree. So um, we've had to we've dealt with that. I remember when uh, Jimmy when we drafted Jimmy, um, I think I that was his first huddle, you know, and in many cases, sometimes their first snap from center. So, um, you know, th this has been upwards of 10 years plus, you know, relative to college football kind of heading in a different direction. Um, so we've had to navigate that, I'd say, with every rookie class we've had on both sides of the ball because sometimes there's, like I said, there's no huddling. Any update on Chandler Jones? No. Uh, again, we have a hand, I'd say a handful of guys that are getting closer. 
Um, I think he's in that bucket. So working through just, you know, trying to get right. And, um, again, we, we had to, we had to stretch a, you know, a number of days in pads that we were allowed to be in pads. So, um, you know, there's probably six, eight, ten guys here that are continuing to work through it. So hopefully we're getting closer. All right. So hopefully we're getting closer. That's head coach Josh McDaniels. And there are players in that bucket that he talks about that are nicked up or they're trying to get back, try to get them in pads, get them more practice. They got to play. They got to get going. The strength of this team will be depth and rotations. So whoever they are, there's plenty of time left until the Raiders travel to Denver. Some of these guys who have been on the plan to get better got to be close. And it sounds like there are who are really close. That was brought to you by Remy Martin. And Remy Martin invites you to Circa for Stadium Swim's first ever night swim. Brought to you by Quantro. This is a big deal. That's this Friday, August 25th, for DJ Duo. The Knox, you got to be there for this stadium swim outside our partner, Remy Martin. This is incredible. Enjoy free samples of Cuantro Margaritas, the silent disco, and the first-ever concert on the pool deck, first-ever at Circa Stadium Swim. Tickets are on sale at CircaLasVegas.com. That's CircaLasVegas.com to get your tickets to be there. Proud partner, Remy Martin, putting this together with Circa at Stadium Swim. This is Friday night. It's the summer. It's a big deal. DJ duo, the Knox. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. So that was Josh McDaniels. Told you a little bit about some of the players. Michael Mayer. More on Josh Jacobs. Where's the timeline? We'll get into that. Vinny Bonsignor, my conversation with him. Levi Edwards and the Hall of Fame voter. Howard Balzers, we got great news on the senior finalist. Art Powell made it. Art Powell made it to the senior finalist of the Hall of Fame. I'll tell you about that next on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Snap O'Connell looking left, looking left, now to his right. He's got room to run. And he's going to tuck it and run, and he's got room. O'Connell running for the first down, and he'll get it. Aiden O'Connell on that play, showing his legs, good timing. He surveyed the entire field. The seven yards did what he had to do on that play. I thought that was, overall, a really solid play for him. Aiden O'Connell picking up a first down. I'll put that on my resume. Who called the first step for Aiden O'Connell? First down run. That would be me. Turn up Beyonce. My wife's going to Beyonce. She dropped that on me. I encourage her to do whatever she wants. That's a happy. I'm coming up on coming up on 24 years. My wife gives me a lot of hall passes, man. And Bobby's shaking his head. She lets me. I mean, but my wife's going to Beyonce. And she went to Taylor Swift this summer. So Beyonce coming into town. Raise your hand and beep your horn. Let's hear some Beyonce. All right, so if you're going to Beyonce, why would I bring up going to Beyonce? Because Mark Davis, along with the 872 laborers, built that stadium. If it wasn't for that stadium called the Legion Stadium, there'd be no Beyonce here. Okay, everybody? The Beyonce isn't here because the Oakland A's might come here uh, four years from now. Okay, the Oakland A's are not here because of the Silver Bowl. The Oakland A's aren't here because of Thomas and Mack or T-Mobile, and we love those venues. Love them. Beyonce is here because of Allegiant Bleepin' Stadium, okay? And a lot of bands are coming to Allegiant Stadium for a reason. Because build it and they will come. 
there's a lot of talk about the A's here. Remember, this is not the flagship of the Oakland A's, nor as far as I know, I'm not, I will not be on the flagship of the Oakland A's, I can promise you. I was on the flagship of the Oakland A's in the Bay Area, and they told me to stop talking about the Oakland A's and the Raiders. I could write a book on that one, but... Uh, a lot of propaganda out there again on the A's and the stadium and who's building it and will the owner apologize for the way he treated the Raiders and all of this. I'm telling you, Bobby, uh, I need one of those muzzles, man, that you put on a horse or a dog, a muzzle when it comes to the A's here because, man, I could write a book. Someone should hire me in this town to write a documentary on the Oakland A's and the Raiders and what really went on in the Bay Area there because there's a lot of people in this market that have no clue, zero clue there, and... Whatever. People want to see baseball. I'll go sit right behind home plate for every Yankee game there. Speaking of my Yankees, ooh, they stink. How about my Yankees? Do they stink? This is going to be a miserable September and October for me talking baseball. Oh, I cannot remember my Yankees being this bad. I I can actually say that. Uh, Josh Jacobs, I am not stirring the pot at all. The national media is. This is the flagship of the Raiders. If you want to talk about Josh, you're welcome to call in. This is now all on Josh Jacobs. It's all now switched to him. He has the ability to show up whenever he wants. Red carpet waiting outside the facility. Every one of his teammates will hug him coming into the locker room. Every Raider fan wants him. It's his choice when he shows up. And I understand why he hasn't shown up. Doesn't have to be there for camp in the dog days. But now the dog days are wrapping up. And he wasn't going to play in the dog day games. Like last year where he played in Canton, Ohio. He played in Canton, Ohio in the first preseason game. Maybe that's still upsetting to him. I don't know. I think he's going to get a lot of money to play, but he doesn't want to play on a one-year deal. And that ship has sailed, and now they have to figure out at the end of the year what his future will be. And there's another back waiting for his touches named Zeus, and he's pretty good. He's not Josh Jacobs. By no means will I put Sincere or any of the other backs here, Britton Brown, whoever you want to name next to Josh Jacobs. They're good players. Josh Jacobs is elite. He's an elite player now, and the Raiders need him if they're going to beat Denver. If you want to talk about Josh Jacobs, I'm open for business, 702-365-9200. I'll go to San Francisco where the app works. Big Al in San Francisco on Josh Jacobs, and when will he show? What's happening, Big Al? Um, everything's good, JT. We got another Las Vegas weather day here. Nice. Four in a row. It's hitting. Mm-hmm. Looks like it's going to hit over ninety in San Francisco of all places. Ninety degrees in the city by the bay, San Francisco, in August, where it should be. But again, I've wore I've worn a down jacket in San Francisco in August, so I'm happy you're getting this great weather out on the Marina Green. That's nice. Yeah, I was out on the green about an hour and a half ago. Oh. It's beautiful there. I hope to get back out. Uh, real quickly, before you get into your call, I know you've been friends a long time. To take a coffee in the morning and walk out from your place onto the Marina Green, look to the left and see the Golden Gate, look to the right to see that beach area, is that just fabulous on a sunny day? Yeah, that's one reason people live yes. here. We don't live here for all the other nonsense, and we won't go into that. We live here because it's absolutely beautiful. Northern California is one of the most beautiful parts yes. of the world, not just the country. And when you look out and you see the Golden Gate Bridge and the headlands behind it and the beautiful bay, and then you can take it and you kind of just, you know, circle your head to the right, and you have Angel Island where all the Chinese immigrants came in to build the railroads and build this country, and then, of course, to Alcatraz with all its infamy. Um, and But the, you, you have all this history and you have mm. the beauty. It's nice. Fantastic. Beautiful. Good. What do you think of Josh Jacobs? I know you wanted to call on that. When, when does he show up? If I was uh, Josh Jacobs, and uh, I think I'm going to be pretty accurate on this, 
Um, he's going to wait till final cuts. He's going to wait till roster kind of uh, normalized a little bit. And then I believe that he'll come in uh, the Wednesday or Thursday, basically 10 or 11 days out before the first game. Mm-hmm. There's two weeks now from, first, from final cuts to the first game. He'll come in, make sure he understands the playbook. He won't have to take a lot of hits those first, those first days in. Uh, he'll learn the playbook. They'll make, you know, he'll make sure he's in good shape. They will make sure that he's in the shape that they, that they're looking for. They'll come up with the regiment, mm-hmm. and he won't even take hits for the first week. But he's not going to come in five days before and try to figure out the playbook. He's too much of a professional to do that. He'll be in now that he knows he's not going to have to take the hits. He'll be in, I think, ten, eleven days out. All right, thank you. That's that's fair. I think that's a good timeline when it comes to him. And he knows the playbook. He's looking at the playbook. The chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo shouldn't be that big of a deal. Right-handed quarterback like Carr shouldn't be a problem at all here. Protection, he's really good in protection. Uh, the thing that I'd like to see with Josh being in here a little bit sooner than later is the passing game. I've always said this about Josh Jacobs. I don't think he's been utilized enough in the passing game. He hasn't. He hasn't. Look at the numbers. And when he came out of Alabama, wow, were we excited to see him catch the ball more. He's more of a workhorse bell cow, but I think he's pretty good at catching the ball. When you have to, when you have to double-team Devontae, and if Mayer can bring a linebacker with him in coverage and run a go-route, I'm talking about Mayer running a 10-yard route, and then you have Philip Dorsett running a bomb go-route on the right side, and Jacoby going away from Josh Jacobs, I'm talking a wheel route to Josh Jacobs, a screen to him on third down with all that space because the other defenders are guarding Devontae and have their back turned because they're guarding Michael Mayer. Man, I can't wait for that this year. I think Josh could have a couple of big catches. Uh, Vic Tafer also reported on this. He was on the Rich Eisen Show. Vic Tafer said, on Friday I went on the Rich Eisen Show and said I thought Josh Jacobs would be back week one. It was my opinion, and there has been a lot of reports since. Nothing has changed. And we know nothing has changed, and that's why we're talking about it here. As we continue on, we're looking at a player that the Raiders need in these first couple of games. You need them the whole year. But where, what do you want me to do as the host to try to make this a sense of urgency issue? It doesn't seem to be a sense of urgency, urgent urgency around the Raider organization, Josh Jacobs, And surprisingly, most of the Raider Nation, most of the fans don't seem to be triggered on this. So the clickbait guys and the guys who are sitting there desperate to be heard, uh, some of the podcasters, some of the YouTubers, which I'm in that space too, are sitting there and they want to spin this and get it going. And you can get it going on the flagship of the team, but it's only going to go so far if there's nothing new to report on. Now, the Jonathan Taylor story is much bigger because the owner, Jim Ursay, I think is kind of baiting him a little bit. The owner, Jim Ursay, who's been a booze hound in the past and is a rock and roll guy. I love his rock and roll collection. It's incredible. His, his rock and roll memorabilia collection is global good. And Mark Davis loves rock and roll. Okay, I'm talking about a guy who loves rock and roll, and I do too, but he's, he's kind of baiting his running back saying that he's the owner, him saying, I don't matter, you don't matter. Years from now, no one's going to remember this. No, Jonathan Taylor's a player that we should all remember. He was brilliant at Wisconsin. He's been fantastic in this league since he's been here, and he deserves to be overpaid at the running back position. Remember, there's a market, and when the market comes, there's the real market, what the price is, people that overpay and underpay. 
I, I suggest that people should overpay for Josh Jacobs and Jonathan Taylor. Not Zeke Elliott, who's playing for the Patriots now for less. Not some of these. Uh, Dalvin Cook. I've been watching Hard Knocks on HBO. Dalvin Cook shows up in the private jet. They send the private jet for him. He shows up. Aaron Rodgers is like, hey, buddy, how you doing? How's the wife? Oh, she's going to induce. Having a baby this weekend. Great. He's paying. He's playing for a lot less money than he should be playing for. Why? Because no one had a job for him other than the Jets. And the Dolphins now are kicking the tires on Jonathan Taylor. We're going to Miami. The Raiders are playing Miami. We don't want to see Jonathan Taylor back there with Waddle and Tyreek. Tyreek Hill is going to the Hall of Fame with on the Raiders. What he did against the Raiders is why Tyreek Hill is going to the Hall of Fame. We don't want to see Jonathan Taylor in Miami. We want that guy in the NFC somewhere. He's going to get a job somewhere if they can't figure this out. And a big arrest today. Uh, speaking going into Dallas, Dallas Cowboys, some police plotter news. Their defensive end, Sam Williams, arrested Sunday on charges of possession of a controlled substance and unlawful carrying of a weapon. The Cowboys arrived back to, in Texas early Sunday morning, which means, wink, wink, late Saturday night. Late Saturday night after their preseason game against the Seahawks, he was arrested later that day. Hmm. So was that late Saturday night that kind of went into the morning? As Snoop would say, six in the morning. What was he doing up there at that time? Under the NFL's personal conduct policy, Williams is subject to a fine or suspension for the incident. The Cowboys are aware of the arrest but have declined comment. According to police, the controlled substance charge is for another substance, not for possession of marijuana, and is a state jail felony. The unlawful carrying of a weapon is a Class A misdemeanor. And he's been in trouble before. Last December, he was involved in an accident not far from the team's practice facility where the car was totaled. Totaled. A month later, he was cited for reckless driving, according to Plano Police, was driving close to 100 in a 55-mile-an-hour zone. I don't know why any human being would ever drive 100 miles an hour in a 55 on an 85, but sometimes guys like fast cars. So that's the story there. The Cowboys have some police blotter news, which is front and center today. And then other than that, a pretty oh, the big story today, big. The Niners named Sam Darnold the number two. So Trey Lance is pretty much done. Trey Lance is the third. They can't move him. They, they gave up three first-round picks for them. And this is a big story today. It's the number one trending story in the NFL. Sam Darnold named the number two. We got a chance to see him play out here. Sam Darnold is a hell of a number two quarterback. He's a very good quarterback who played for some bad teams and when healthy, he's good. So what does that do to Trey Lance? I know some Raider fans wanted Trey Lance a while back just to kick the tires. Uh, Trey Lance, it's unfortunate. They gave up a lot to get him. He's on a really good team. All he had to do was ball out and play up to his ability. But you notice Kyle Shanahan doesn't get the heat for that. One of the biggest misfires. The, you know, the Niner fans love to rip on Mr. Davis for Jamarcus Russell. And to rip on Jamarcus Russell, fair. But what about Kyle Shanahan? Blowing the 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl with a Hall of Famer and Matt Ryan. How about Kyle Shanahan giving up three first-round picks? Kyle's very fortunate he has a very good team. Because any coach who gave up three first-round picks for Trey Lance would be fired unless they were coaching the Niners or the Eagles or a really good team with a good roster. And the Niners, Niners have a very good roster. We saw that in the joint practices. JT with you as we continue on. we got a lot to talk about here. 
Partners are lining up again for the show. Resorts World, the brand new Golden Monkey Tiki Lounge. I was just there. The ultimate tropical getaway. Enjoy their delicious island-inspired cocktails and soak up that lively atmosphere. Resorts World, proud partner of our show. Again, we have a hand, I'd say a handful of guys that are getting closer. Um, I think he's in that bucket. So working through just, you know, trying to get right. And um, again, we, we had to we had to stretch, a, you know, a number of days in pads that we were allowed to be in pads. So, um, you know, there's probably six, eight, ten guys here that are continuing to work through it. So hopefully we're getting closer. All right. Where's Chandler Jones? You need him. Hopefully he's great to go. Good to go. Chandler needs to have a big year. He's getting paid a lot of money. To be a highly productive player, JT, back with you, brought to you by Modelo, an official cerveza of the Raiders and the official beer of fans with the fighting spirit. We're doing a lot of combination work with Modelo and the Black Hole. Modelo rooted in the heart of Raider Nation, and for the Black Hole and what we've done with them and what they're doing with us, we're honored to be not only a member of the Black Hole, but associated with them on the radio and what they're doing with Modelo. Perfect fit. Perfect fit. Tell me another fan base in professional sports that has a beer sponsorship at the level that the Black Hole has. Uh, you go to the Black Hole tailgate, hey, throw me a cerveza. They open up like cooler after cooler after cooler after cooler with the Modellos there, man. You wonder why I'm in J-Lot, man. You know, it's a work day. I got a limit. I got one, right? You know, halftime, whatever. Modelo lounge after the game. I'll have my cervezas off the premises. But man, Modelo and the Black Hole, proud partner of the show here. So, Who's not around? Who's not playing? Who's not healthy? The team is relatively healthy. There hasn't been knock, 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 knock on wood. Please, no injuries, no serious injuries as we've seen throughout training camps around the NFL. So what are the Raiders doing this last game? I have no idea. I'm going to have a meeting with the head coach. We're going to have that meeting in Dallas before the game. Last week when we met with the coach, he let us know the starters were going to go. Rich Cannon was like, whoa, okay, okay. We're going to let him go. They're going to let him go, and they were out there. They were warming up. I got out there for warm-ups with Jimmy G on the field. He was in a great mood, and Jimmy G, 4-for-4 four four in that opening drive. Aiden O'Connell came out, played, I thought, reasonably well when he came into the game, and a couple of other good performances at the linebacker position. Isaiah Palomal at safety, I like him a lot. Now, do I want him to start at safety? I don't think he will for Trayvon Merrig and Marcus Epps, but he could jump in if a guy gets nicked or come in in a package where they go with three safeties or they do some exotic nickel package and they're moving a safety. And I don't know what they're going to do with Nate Hobbs. I need Nate Hobbs, man. I need Nate Hobbs to be great, not good. If Nate Hobbs plays at a very high level, that will be good. Uh, We'll have some more sound coming up uh, next hour. I had two interviews that I'm going to replay here that are important. One is about Art Powell. He made the senior finalist list for the Raiders. One of the great Raider wide receivers. Remember, we put him on our first team. All-time Raiders first team. We put him ahead of Jerry Rice. We put him ahead of Jerry Rice. And he's now a finalist. That's a big deal. And what Howard Balzer had to say about that is the vote became official today. And my conversation with Vinny Bonsignor, we did it last night to play today because Vinny has partners on the show that we want to make sure we sign off on. And then Levi Edwards inside the building. He asked a lot of questions today 
We'll talk to Levi about a couple of the make-or-break position groups coming into the final game. JT here on the flagship. Thanks for listening. This is the Silver and Black flagship.